Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa, No Filler. This week's guest is James Rushton of the House of V newsletter. So James, it's great to have you on again. Uh, the last time we spoke, it was literally just as Unai Emery was hired by Aston Villa. Uh, he's been at Villa Park for three months now. Um, so what have you made of his time in charge? Oh, thanks for having me on. Um, I've been really excited. Um, win, lose or draw. I feel like look, it hasn't been a revolution, but I feel like there's been an uplift, especially since the um, the Steven Gerrard days. I feel like <laughs> Villa are genuinely, on the pitch at least, a, a very positive um, club to support. And I feel like they've got they've got the guy for the, uh, the long term, hopefully. Mm. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing. I mean, we still, it still feels like we're in the, the very the infant stages of his reign at, um, at Villa but I can't you know I can't wait to see see what comes down the line um, when he properly put his, puts his stamp on the squad as his mark there because hmm. so far I mean so good really despite some some poor results um, you know a few especially recently but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah I kind of love that it started with Unai Emery ending the, the curse of Man United at home um, just because that in itself it just got got Villa his reign off to such a positive start. Um, but it, yeah, it feels like um, it's been largely positive, and it really feels like there's kind of a uh, some momentum there, and there's there's a plan, and it kind of feels like you know where Villa are potentially going under Emery. Whereas before it felt like with Gerard, didn't it? That it was just absolutely going nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I. I... I can be quite critical. I'm a big fan of Tyrone Mings, but I think his treatment immediately at the start of the season spoke volumes. I mean, yeah, you don't need advanced an advanced like data team or a data hub to know how poor Villa have been without Tyrone mm. Mings. And to start the season off, I mean, we did have Diego Carlos for one of his perhaps two or three games, um, but they, they would just look so weak against Bournemouth right at the bang the kickoff of the season. I said they didn't start yeah. off well at all. Yeah, um, and, and you see that in the, la- the last two days, but you just feel like they they just didn't manage the players they had very well, and mm. you see the opposite in, in almost in Emery in that. Look, we have had some poor. There has been a lack of, um, you know, there hasn't been the, a, a very dynamic Villa side in, in some of the recent games, you know, Leicester and Man City. Mm. But I compare those losses now to the losses we experienced at the start of the season. It's almost. We, we found a way to lose better. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because you, you look at that Bournemouth loss at the start of the season and that was such a shock to me because I thought, he's had all pre-season to build yeah. something here. And he, he's, you know, he was even saying it himself. He was implying it himself last season, Gerard. You know, you know, we're working on something here, some of the players, you know, they've got to book their ideas, up, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes to the start of the season. He manages to alienate Mings for no real obvious reason. And then uh, just starts that game where we looked utterly clueless. And as you say, losing to Leicester last week and losing to City, particularly in the second half, it did look a bit like, well, I can see what we're trying to do. Um, And there's obvious vulnerabilities at the moment, particularly when we play at home and have to take the initiative. But uh, there's there's certainly something there at the moment you'd say that you think, I kind of see what it is that Emery's trying to do. And that given time, we really could be going somewhere quite special under someone who's won four Europa Leagues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's, it's all quite exciting. I mean, I don't want to kind of skim over City 
um because yeah. the, the first half was like di- it was diabolical it was I mean, terrible it was, wasn't it yeah. yeah it's one of the, it's one of the worst performances of you know witnessed Villa put it's obviously the worst I think we've put out under Emery um mm. but it was it was up there as um I you know you can't believe it's almost the same side mm. um that's been put out but uh, the worst thing I could probably say about Gerard is that, that match stays the same way you know for yeah. 90 minutes um and under yeah. Emery not going to say that we were going to come back and you know steal a point from it but the Villa that came out in the second half looked like a like a fairly solid team and yeah. not one that reflected the scoreline at all, which is shocking. Uh, it was an absolute turnaround, but that's what a good man coach can do is mm. it can get the team that's playing on the pitch. They're performing poor in the first half. Hopefully try and get something out of the second half. So even as disappointing as that first half was and as terrible as it was, mm. I feel like it's another game under Emery where there's positives to take out and that's the, the biggest credit I can give him. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you compare it to some of the other games as well, you know, that we've had where first half have not been great, like Liverpool at home, Boxing Day was struggled yeah. first half, you'd say. And then I think Wolves first half, we were pretty poor and Leeds as well, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but then in every single second half of all of those games, there was something Emery did where he made a quick change with a substitution, made a tactical shift um, that essentially changed the game, really. And as you say, like quite a few of our most recent managers, you would could criticise for saying that they weren't able to change it quick enough. Um, yeah. So, for, yeah, as, exactly as you say, um, it feels like we, th- th- we've got a manager who at least can change something in-game, uh, which is in itself is a big step up from what we've yeah. had for a while. Um, but do you think, is there any like player since, you know, Emery's been there now kind of three months. Um, is there any player particularly you think that's improved while he's been there? Um, I feel like uh, Emmy Martinez isn't the perfect keeper, but I feel like he's been playing uh, a bit better with his feet recently. Mm. I know that's oft, uh, you know, critique. Um, Tyron Mings is, is a good shout, but I, I feel like the one I have to kind of pin everything on is Douglas Louise. Yeah. Like he's come on a really, really long way and he looks almost like uh, an int- integral part of Villa holding results, but also them chasing games and, and getting forward. Um, you know, Bubakar Kamara has has been fine. I think he's kept his le- for the most part kept his levels up despite some, you know, a bit of maybe the last two games a bit bit poor in the last two games. Um, mm. But Louise, I feel, has come a, a, a long, long way. Um, Ashley Young probably didn't have the best game against Man City either, but I feel like he's keeping you know Matty Cash. World Cup international Matty Cash out of the team. Yeah. Um, I'd have loved to say someone like Leon Bailey, if I'm honest. Um <laughs> Brendy has been good because he's started, actually started games now. Yeah. Um, but I'd love I'd have loved to say Leon Bailey, but he's just been far too inconsistent. And I can't I don't want to give Emery credit for Ollie Watkins because that's probably because he's the only striker, so he, <laughs> he has to play. Um, <laughs> yeah, bar, yeah, yeah. bar, you know, the new Mandaran. Um he can play up front and on the wing. Um, but it has to be Douglas Oise for me. I, I don't know about you. No, I agree. I think Douglas Louise, I think he always had the potential to be an integral part of our midfield. And there was times when he, he was, particularly in the first season we had back in the Premier League, I think post the lockdown, he was one of our best players. Yes. Um, but he uh, it kind of felt like he was, because we didn't have an out-and-out CDM for so long, Douglas Louise was constantly, was because he was so versatile, was the one they would go, right, you play CDM. And as a result, he was kind of compromising what he was actually really good at, which has kind of been a bit more progressive linking play up, being the guy who's between the CDM and the, you know, the 
more forward, you know, Buendia, let's say, like attacking part of the front, the midfield three. So um, I feel like, I mean, one game particularly that stood out with Douglas Luiz was the Tottenham game away. Yes. He scored that goal and um, him and I, Kamara looked like an absolutely excellent pairing, really. Um, so, yeah, you'd have to say that maybe Emery's setup or the work Emery's done with him has certainly like helped him improve a lot quicker than I think a lot of us probably could have foreseen, actually. Um, but yeah, Ollie Watkins as well, you know, yeah, quite a few goals he's got now, hasn't it? Since, uh, <laughs> which is quite nice to see. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's they've been bleating on about his record and I don't blame them. It's like 34 goals or something in a hundred appearances. I don't know if that's, that, that's the correct stat, but it's it looked better than what many people would assume, um, which is yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. Good, good on him. Yeah. I mean, so, so now obviously, you know, you write the house of V newsletter and absolutely, yeah. Brilliant newsletter. And oh, thank you. If you're not subscribed to it, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, you know, we'll get get the link from you at the end of the uh, interview, uh, James. But I uh, just want to mention a couple of articles you've written for it. Um, one of them was about the transfer window. Um, you know, one in which I think you made a lot of great points. You know, I also work in the media, so I understand. You know, the the idea, the fact that you know transfer. Stories just generate interest and clicks. Yeah. There's also a bit of a divide that you mentioned. You know, some fans, it wasn't quite enough. We didn't sign enough players. Um, others who were happy with it. I think I was in the camp of being fine with the transfer window. Um, what did you make of it? I, I fully understand like the frustrations of fans, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, because, you know, like you've kind of referred to, um, the transfer stuff is what, sadly, what dominates attention. Um, it's almost yeah, more important. Does. It's genuinely almost more important, and don't take this the wrong way. Don't. It's almost more, more important to buy players than it is to play football. Um, mm. Genuinely, um, match reports analysis doesn't gain half the attention as a mm. transfer exclusive, and that is bang on fact. There's yes. no argument. Um, the discussion dominates. It dominated with um, transfer talk gossip. Yeah. Follow, look at Fabrizio Romano, a guy <laughs> yeah. who. Literally doesn't talk about football apart from transfers, and yeah. you know, fair play to him. I'm not, not dissing him at all. That is that says so 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 much about everything, and you know uh, that's why I I kind of emphasise with fans who who might be concerned because it's a circus, it's a carnival. Yeah, and absolutely. when your club isn't involved in that, you you are missing out because <laughs> yeah. the, the entire discussion and the debate is about. Teams signing players, Chelsea breaking the, the 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 record, Arsenal buying somehow, you know, getting Jorginho for for a pittance. Even he's a fairly good player. Mm-hmm. Um, getting involved. I mean, Villa still spent over thirty million. And it feels there's a part of me as that kind of when I was a kid, you look at that and go, but they, they did spend thirty million, right? But like, mm. on what? You know, on what? On what they can use, like a, a left back and a striker, they might not use. And obviously, it's turned out that they've been. Two fairly, you know, Duran's coming in with a, with a bit of a bang, and Marino's yeah. making a making a state for the first team. But you know, when when other teams, when, when you say Villa owned by these two rich billionaires, they're not spending uh, hundreds of million pounds every transfer window. There's a circus going outside, and you're not invited. Hmm. Um, I, I I do feel for for fans who probably in them group chats with. Uh, other clubs, you know, if you're in a, if if you're in a group chat with a Newcastle United fan, 
You're talking mm. about um, I can't pronounce his name. Um, the the lad from Nath- Nathalie that they're, oh, they're linked yeah. to. Yeah, you know, they, uh, you know, you know, know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Gravaladonna. I'm not going to say. Yeah. I only yeah. know his nickname. Not. Uh, um, I can't. I'm not going to massacre his, his his normal name. But when those discussions are going around, you're in those group chats, and you're like, oh yeah, we got we got a lad from Real Betis and this lad from Chicago Fire. It's not important, but it is, and that's why I'm first. But also, I've got a rational head on me. Villa, January is not the time you buy players to improve yeah. the long term of the team. Villa have done well in that in that regard. I feel it's the time you buy to win now. It's a time you, if you are two points off the title, or you're gunning, you're in the European competition, like Newcastle. That's probably a poor example, but if a team was in that position and they're looking behind them they might splash the cash to kind of cement that position. And I don't think Villa, the, Villa's league position is neither here or there. It's February now. We don't yeah. really have a very crystal. I feel like they can make that push for you. I don't know if that is a lock. And they're probably feeling the same way about why would we blow this team apart, the dynamics of this team yeah, to win now if that's not cast iron. Whereas in the summer, there can probably be a bit more of a you know, a, a, an intelligent splurge rather than a, a desperation grab. Yeah, you, you sort of compare it to the, you know, last year with Gerard when we spent all that money on Luca Dean, Coutinho, yeah. brought in a few players that maybe haven't really worked. Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, if we had spent big this January, that, you know, surely then limits what we can do in the summer, really, with financial fair play. Um, and plus, it's easier to get the targets you want in the summer than, let's say, like Matteo Guendouzi, for instance, who Villa were linked with. Sounds like Villa genuinely did sort of go for him. Um, but ultimately, Marseille are trying to get in the Champions League, maybe even push yeah. for the league on title. And so, you know, trying to get him out of Marseille right now is going to be so difficult. Um, and also, you know, on top of that, you know, the Danny Ings sale was quite divisive. I think I agreed with it really because again, 15 million quid, you're not going to get that for Danny Ings probably in the summer. West Ham needed a striker right now, and that's 120k a week off the wage bill for a player who didn't really quite ever quite I feel a bit harsh saying that, but he didn't quite work at Villa. Is that, is that a fair yeah. assessment? Do you think? I think so. I think like his scoring record for Villa is, is pretty brilliant, but like the, the mm. context is. Is that it was a great and awful signing in that Danny yeah. was, for most clubs, he, even before they got Alfred and Haaland, you know, Man City nailed on. Spurs, if they sold Kane, nailed on. Um, but the, the the truth is blocking progression, making yeah. Watkins' life a lot harder when he, you know, we we had a striker, a, a decent enough striker for our level. Mm. Um Danny Ings is great, but we were in a situation where didn't really, he was a luxury, a huge luxury. Yeah, and you can't, yeah. you can't knock his scoring right. But look, he, he isn't, he wasn't the, the number one striker. In fact, we had like two half strikers in, in the sense that no one could make their mind up between Smith, Gerard, but Emery made his mind up. But yeah. Smith and Smith and Gerard were essentially who's the, the number nine? Is it Watkins or is it Ings? And that was a rotation next to every other game. Mm. And, you know, you think Emery saw enough, really, probably in the, in the few months and figured out, you know, it, it's just not going to work for me. So, I, I, like I said, it leaves us light. This is if Ollie Watkins gets injured, um, 
<laughs> good luck, John Duran. <laughs> good luck, mate. Um, but uh, but I, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I think, we're, as you say, we're not likely going to get dragged into the relegation scrap. Please God, and uh, you know, we're not we're not we're not in trophies now. Annoyingly, and you know, on that note, you know, the Stevenage game. You look back on it, and you look at some of the players who started that game, and quite a few of them are gone. Yeah, I think there's Unai Emery probably putting his foot down and saying there's repercussions for losing a game like that. You know, the, that these were first team players who don't play together as an 11 that often, but it was kind of unforgivable the way they approached that game, I thought, which, you know, I'm very reluctant to criticise, jump on players and say it's the player's fault, blah, blah, blah. A lot of the time, you know, as it was under Gerard in my view, they're putting a system that didn't work and wasn't playing to their strengths. But you look at that game at Steven and you just think there was enough talent there, you know, not to make the sort of mistake that Dendonka did or for people to be jogging out to stop the second goal. So I think it was a good example of Emery putting his foot down, really. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't think he, he went, right, I'm going to sell Danny Ings because, because of Stevens necessarily. But yeah, I, also, yeah, yeah. I do agree that that performance was unacceptable. There was a lot of, I wouldn't say unprofessionalism, but there was a lot of probably automatic thinking going on where they thought, right, we'll go out routine, beat Stevenage. Mm, yeah, it, doesn't yeah. work. it doesn't work. That's why these things happen because big teams get knocked out in the in, in the third round <laughs> near yeah. enough every other year um, by a team that just wants it more. Yeah. Basics. And that big team is caught napping on basics and could be anything like a little corner set piece routine that they're napping on, like mm. uh, like in the end against uh, against us. But yeah, um, he, he clearly put his foot down. Um, and look, there were players who had to kind of kind of fight back. Coutinho, for example, who was really impressive um, coming on against Man City after yeah. he's been grabbed, and others like Santon who actually scored in that match. Who we've we've seen the back of. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, yeah, sort of not tolerating kind of some dead wood around, I guess. So again, it sort of clears out the squad and sort of hopefully can means that this summer there'll be a very clear idea of exactly what sort of a player he wants. Um, but, you know, uh, another article or another piece you wrote for uh, House of V was um, about uh, the atmosphere at Villa Park. Now, this is something that I saw kind of emerging on Twitter in the recent weeks. So I was seeing a lot of Villa fans talking about it and so yeah. kind of a lot of complaints about the general... What would you say negative vibe there that can, that can happen there sometimes? Um, what 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 are your overall thoughts on the atmosphere at Villa? Like, what it's been this way for a while. I feel um, they're probably yeah. older fans that I can say it's been like this for ages. I don't necessarily agree. I think there's been some times when Villa's been a really good place to be. Mm. Most times, actually, you know, I can't you can't knock it. But remember taking I forgot what game it was last season, but I took my little cousin. For his first Villa game, and we we bought him a you know the Jacob Ramsey shirt and, and uh, oh, nice and Villa football. But yeah. one of his like, if we didn't win that match, he'd have had an awful time because yeah. of covering his own ears because the abuse around him is genuinely derailing, you know, his enjoyment of the football. And this is a lad who actually yes, supports Villa, but his mum's friend. Um, his mum's best friend at work and some of his family are Stoke fans so they're trying to get him into Stoke <laughs> you know um, he's got family friends who are Man United fans who try to get him into you know Cristiano Ronaldo and Man United but his dad's a Villa fan and right. his cousin me and his granddad are, are Villa fans oh. <laughs> and you take him you, you take him for that experience mate and like 
if we didn't win, he'd have had a horrendously negative experience by the really expensive Jacob Ramsey shirt. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've got... To, I don't think people think about what this means for people who could be the next generation of Villa fans because yeah, you don't win that match. Do you put that guy off coming ever again? Does he even watch the team or want to be part of this? Probably yeah. not. Um, and against against Leicester, my, my stepmom came with us. We had a spare season ticket. Mm. And she came with us and she's like, it's, it's like this every weekend. It's like, what? Like, uh, and she's like, just I'm slacking off players all the time. And I was like, yeah, actually, I think, I think most, mostly, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've mentioned to my dad about moving seats and stuff, but my fear is that the, the, the atmosphere that's around me is replicated everywhere. And that's people, yeah. you know, look, I, I get what you, you sign up for when you go to a football match, but, you know, when we're speaking about our own players in such, you know, shallow terms mm. and disrespectful terms. I feel like, what is the point of being a fan? Yeah. Like, you don't have to like enjoy any dross that's served up, but these these are the representatives of our fandom on the pitch. And yeah. if they're not up to par, we'll voice our we'll we'll certainly voice our thoughts. But to just constantly lay into every player, there's no nothing they can do that's good enough, and everything they they fail to do is the worst thing ever. And it's just a, a horrible kind of experience that makes it has made me actually go, do I want to spend my time Dan? And not because of the poor football sometimes, mm. the fact we might lose, it's because do you want to be around people who are genuinely being really, really negative about yeah. the experience and making that experience a negative experience unless it's a a route against the, the visiting team. Yeah. Um, I, 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 the living embodiment of a really angry comment section, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, around you. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I mean, I, I first visit to Villa Park was in '92, uh, okay. so I've been there a while, and um, it, I feel like from my memory, like Villa Park's kind of ebbed and flowed, and I, I hadn't actually been for a while up until a, for, for a few years. I didn't, I wasn't there that much in the first Premier League season just because, you know, living away and all that. But then um, started going again in recent years, you know, just through availability. And um, I felt like when I went, I thought, oh, the atmosphere is a bit more, um, it's a bit more energetic than it was. Like it's more, there's more to it. And, you know, the Man United game, Unai Emery's first game was fantastic atmosphere. And as you said, you know, there have been times and it has been great. And, you know, that, we all think back on like Everton 2 0 in the first season we came back Friday night under the lights. It was just like a carnival atmosphere. Um, and I kind of I wish Villa Park was like that more often because my overriding experience of it really, mm. I guess, in all the time decades has been like to be around that kind of those characters who just want you to sit down, don't want you to stand up, don't want you to sing, moan at you if you do. And um, you know, within 20 seconds of somebody you know misplacing a pass in, in the first half or you know making a pass they don't appreciate or taking a shot on and you just hear this whining and yelling and you just think like what are you getting out of going to go into this football really um do you, do you think it might be like a premier league wide issue rather than like villa specific or i don't know like are villa quite are we as a fan base like this? I don't know. I mean, I need to see where my, my travels take me next, but 
I can't remember it being like this at Crawley Town when I went in <laughs> December. I mean, the, the levels are way different, obviously. Yeah. But you know, you can't you can't just say, "Oh, Crawley's support it can't be compared to Villa." Everyone loves their local football team. It's mm, yeah. the same love that you have for every your, you know, born you know a, a football kit from the Stratford end uh, next to the Cop. You know, or in in small heaps, more in the Blues, you, you're gonna love that that team. Yeah. You know, like your, your parents followed, um, whether that's you're in Brighton, Croydon, or Crawley. It's like you're going to hopefully adore these teams. And mm. you know, I can't, you know, for the life of me, I I, I can't remember there being just a sort of collective malaise. Mm. And I think it is a, a Premier League thing. I think it genuinely oh, yeah. is a Premier League thing, but also. Maybe it's the, the, the style of football because I don't remember. Obviously, when Villa were a bit more of a dynamic kind of kick and run team mm. in, in years gone by under a few different majors, you don't have that um, almost collective side when you lose the ball because you're not in possession of the football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe the, maybe the malaise is a lot different there. But mm. I, I think because of Emery's football being very, you know, play out from the back, um, yeah. draw the counter in. Uh, and then maybe play it long on occasion. Use the toolbox that's available to you. I, I think it's like probably opens up to to that that anxiety. Yeah, because a lot. Of, you know, I, I'm not here to police other people's support at all. And I've, you know, I, people around me and in rows behind and in rows in front make it an enjoyable experience as well when things yeah. are on form. Um, but when people are just saying constantly, kick it long, kick it long, kick it long. Yeah. And lo and behold, we kick it long and Ollie Watkins can't beat a six foot five exactly. giant to the to the ball. Then they're they're, yeah. they're effing and blinding. Um, <laughs> at, yeah, at Martin true, yeah. and Watkins. So yeah. it's like, you know, I don't want to block out other fans because they're important to the football. Yeah. Um, but maybe uh, maybe it's about like being selfish and just enjoying the, the thing that's in front of you. Maybe if we're all like that, then the atmosphere comes back to be a, a good thing. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I have not. I have absolutely no solution to it, mate. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a poor thing. But I just wish. I guess I don't want. I don't want to say anyone should be a happy clapper and just enjoy everything that's served up. But yeah, yeah, you know, go and have fun. Like have, have fun at the like win, lose, or draw. We should find a way to have fun. In yeah. the worst moments of Villa football, like when we were going down against Newcastle, the party atmosphere because <laughs> yeah. yeah, the anger. What is it? What is there to be anxious about in that instance? But also, yeah. I, I think now it's the exact same. What is there to be anxious about? Mm. probably not yeah. going to get relegated probably not going to qualify for Europe but we're putting on that march man like we have yeah. been like gearing up to go right we're sewing the threads of something special here maybe it is European football Yeah, but there shouldn't be that anxiety where a pass means the end of the world because it wasn't there when we were going down yeah <laughs> like it wasn't at <laughs> yeah. all Yeah. so you know maybe it's a case of just everyone just taking a breather and enjoying what we've got in front of us yeah, I think that's really excellently put. Uh, I totally, totally agree with just everything you've said there, to be honest. Um, but, you know, the, well, the next game at Villa Park is going to be Arsenal. And we are recording this before Arsenal play Manchester City in the biggest yeah. game of the Premier League season so far, really. So it's hard It's hard to crystal ball it and predict how things are going to go. But um, you, I don't know, do you, do you expect Villa to uh, turn up and do something against Arsenal? To be honest, football's not played on the table, but Arsenal have played good football off the table and they're thus reflected well in the table. Yeah. So it's um it's a pretty hard one. I'd like to think we can they've drawn and lost. Um they got City 
who are chasing them down City who put us away without you know getting into second or third gear really if you mm. don't mention anything that Jack Grealish did um, on that pitch um, it's it's a tough one for me I, I'm really kind of like sitting on the fence here because I'd expect Villa after the game they had against City to kind of pull themselves together a bit but then they had a, a bit of a a mare against Leicester mm. um, despite kind of dominating the shots there and 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 having it their way yeah uh, i don't know it's a it's a tough one i think i think arsenal should be putting us away if they have any aspirations of getting this title this yeah, season yeah definitely um again i mean you know everton beat them last week but everton under sean Dyche, it's a bit more of a you know it's probably a more defensive approach sit back and then you've got the atmosphere was probably very loud for his first game um, just a lot of things came together, I think, in that game for Everton to get the win. And then uh, Brentford, you know, got a draw with, against them. But um, I don't know. I, d- I just, I never really fancy against Arsenal. They, they kind of like United had a hoodoo over us for, what, 20 years at one point? <laughs> so, um, yeah. I'm, uh, and it's it's also that like 12.30 game, isn't it? I think on Saturday. And you just think, I don't yeah. know what it is about those 12.30 ones. It, that, it's never quite... I always feel like it's a bit lethargic compared to the later games. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of it probably depends on how they do against City. If, if they beat City, if you'd think they'd be coming with a lot of, you know, confidence. And if But if they lose kind of badly, pressure's really on then to get to me against Villa. Um, and we are a team who can do them damage. So yeah, I'm kind of, dare I ask for a prediction, score prediction or? I think 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. It's, it's probably... Yeah, it does depend on how they do. Like, like as you said, if they beat City, they're on a roll. If they lose, then there's a lot of pressure on to win at Villa. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. As I say, we pre-record, we recorded this before City, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Arsenal two-one. Bukayo Saka, I, I think he's a very, very talented player at the side. But um, but James, yeah. uh, before before we go, I just want to ask you. How is the House of V newsletter going and where can we subscribe to it? Yeah, the house is going uh, It's going really, really well at the moment. Um, obviously, with stuff like the transfer window, Steven, Danny Ings, Leicester, went pretty well. Um, it's not on the Twitter's own one anymore because Elon Musk killed that. And was, <laughs> yeah, um, thanks, Elon. Out there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, he genuinely actually personally killed the newsletter. Um, oh. But yeah, you can, you can find it at houseofv.ghost.io. Um, it's in my Twitter profile at, at Jamie Russian, I'm sure be kind enough to maybe drop it in the uh, link in the in the show notes so there's a there's a hyperlink but it's it's easy enough to find you can you can find it on my um, on my twitter it's got an instagram house of v as well hmm. and uh ideally there'll be another newsletter post arsenal to kind of wrap up the last uh last week of uh shenanigans at villa park yeah and where can we find you on twitter as well yeah, of course. It's uh, at Jamo Rushton, uh, J-A-M-O-R-U-S-H-T-O-N. That was the midweek social on All Villa, No Filler with our guest this week, James Rushton of the House of V newsletter. 